Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. We have a wonderful opportunity this morning. This morning is a twofold morning. We have our mothers that we honor and thank and love. But today is also going to be recognizing our seniors who are graduating from high school in just a few short weeks. See, if you are graduating from high school, come on up. These guys, these guys have made it 18 years. You do have a few more weeks. I'm assuming you've all made it. I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves and to give you their future plans. My name is Shay Burke, and in the future, I'm going to go to NIC and study general studies, because I don't know what I want to do with my life yet. <laughs> uh, my name's Kelsey Kennedy, and I'm going to go to Mid-American Nazarene for nursing. My name is Sarah McKay. I'm going to go to LC for basic courses for a year, and Idaho State for American Sign Language, and then Latin America to continue learning Spanish, and then once I'm fluent in Spanish, Mexico for Mexican Sign Language. Sarah, I am glad to know you have no idea what you're doing with your life. Okay, um, my name is Megan Kessler, and I'm going to LC for nursing. Hi, I'm Brooke Thomason. I'm going into the National Guard and then going to LC for psychology and photography. Well, first off, I want to say to you guys, thank you for the opportunity of letting me be your youth pastor for the last year. But we also, as a church, have gotten you Jesus Today devotionals by Sarah Young. I know that this might enter the back seat of the car and not be taken out for who knows how long. However, you have a daily devotional you can use. Jesus speaking to you directly directly, and he has a message for you that if you read it and listen and meditate on it, you'll hear what he has for you each and every day of your life. I've done them myself. You can do them year in and year out. I will tell you, it applies to where you're at each day because it's a message from him. But at this time, I want to continue on with Senior Sunday, and I want you to know that um, the message that has been prepared has been prepared with them in mind. This is a uh, direct message to them. I believe it applies to every stage of life, and it applies to um, everybody in this room. But I also know that when we look at ourselves as graduating high school. We have a great big, huge world out there. And trying to narrow down what we're supposed to do versus what we want to do can be quite difficult. 
So as I prepared this, I just want, in full disclosure, everybody to know it's to them. And I'm glad everybody else is here. Listen to it, draw from it. But I created it for them. I want to talk this morning about defining moment. A defining moment in the life of someone that when this moment happened to them, their life changed forever. I believe we all have defining moments. Defining moments happen throughout the Bible. Defining moments happen throughout all of our lives. But when you look at the Bible, you you have an interesting problem because you have this Jesus who came to the world to show us that our, that the world's belief of who God was and how God uh, wanted them to live and, and how God existed. He, Jesus came to show this world that the people's belief was false. He came to show them who this God really was, what this God really wanted for them, the compassion, the love, the grace, the servanthood, everything else that God really was. Jesus came to show people what that is. The problem was when he addressed people specifically, they got scared. They, they made different choices. They made different decisions because they were scared. And this not only happened when Jesus came, but it happened in the Old Testament. These defining moments that make you stop everything you're doing and go, wait a minute. Is this right? Am I doing what's right? For instance, I'll, I'll tell you a quick one that happened in my life. It happened 14 years ago, I believe it was. I was a youth pastor. I was a young youth pastor. I had spent 10 years of my life roofing, putting myself, um, well, it was my summer job in high school. I worked there in the winter a little bit, but then put myself through college roofing, worked all winter, all summer long when I was in college. The problem with roofing, and especially in the uh, west side over by Portland and down by the coast, you know it rains a lot. The problem is when you tear off a roof, you can't just say, oh, it's 3 o'clock, I'm going home. Because in Oregon, it will probably rain that night, and the people who are in bed will have water drip on their forehead. So you have to work until the roof is dried in. At 15 years old, I started doing this. It was anywhere from a four-hour day, because you had to work until you couldn't work anymore, up to a 14-hour day in order to get the house dried in. I did that for 10 years of my life. That was how I learned how to work. So when I became a youth pastor, the problem was when it came to work, I never ran out of it. Because as a youth pastor, you're supposed to train, you're supposed to serve, you're supposed to disciple, you're supposed to... Tell me when that ends. Tell me when I can look at it and go, I'm done. The problem is when you have a wife and daughter at home, you never see them. I had a sermon, I was listening to a sermon from a conference, and the guy was doing a sermon called Choosing to Cheat. And as I sat in my office... I could hear as he was talking about how we cheat on our spouses with the ministry and we cheat on our spouses with our jobs because we put so much time into that and we take for granted that they're at home waiting for us and they never see us because we're working. And I could hear my wife in the background. Are you ever coming home? Are you ever going to stop? I had to go home and sit her down on the couch and it was actually kind of funny because I sat her down and said, 
I need to let you know I've had an affair. And she went, excuse me? I said, with my jaw. I still struggle with that, and she is gracious enough to remind me when I am to say, slow down. We're here. I appreciate that. It was a defining moment in my life that I had to decide. Am I going to listen to men? Am I going to listen to the people in the church? Am I going to listen and go for the praise of everybody there? Because, man, you work hard. Man, you do well. Or am I going to sit back and see what God taught in his word about marriage and family and what's really supposed to come first? That killed me. I had to admit I was wrong. Defining moments in our lives. Things that change who we are from that moment on. Today I want to talk to you about Jeremiah. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 1. But I want to talk to you about Jeremiah when he was called to be a prophet. He didn't really like that idea. He didn't necessarily want to. He came up with every excuse in the book which we're going to get to. But Jeremiah, this is who I am, God. I can tell you back when I was in grade school, my sister was in junior high. She was in eighth grade, if I remember correctly. We went over to Rick and Sheila Smith's house. Rick ran the sound in our church. We'd known him forever. We knew the family. We knew their daughters, Rachel and Bridget. Rachel was a year younger than me. Bridget, I believe, was like five or six. But they had two bikes. And my sister, she took Bridget, and they rode double. And I hopped on the other bike, and we went for a bike ride. It was a warm, sunny summer evening. And we got about a half a block away from the house. And Bridget just started screaming. I'm looking at her going, what? Just screaming. My sister, she didn't know what to do. I mean, you got to understand, as I was sitting there going, what's happening? My sister is the farthest thing from a risk taker you will ever meet. She's the exact opposite of myself. She, if, if you even say the word danger, she will run the other way. So I knew there was nothing happening that she should be afraid of. It's not like she was popping wheelies or something. That wasn't going to happen. So what did we do? We turned around and rode back. The minute we got back to the house, I kid you not, the Bridget's parents came out, the screaming stopped. We're like, what in the world? Well, Sheila Smith, the mom, informed us, that mailbox down there, she knows she's not supposed to go past. So when you went past it, she didn't even think I'm with someone who I can go past it with. She just started screaming because that was her barrier. That was where she was supposed to stop. And she knew it. And she didn't want to get in trouble. She didn't want anything bad to happen. So she stopped. Not even thinking about what she could have had by going farther on a bike with an older person who was there to protect her. Much like Jeremiah. Jeremiah is sitting here in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 is where we're going to go to first. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Here's Jeremiah. Or excuse, yeah, chapter 1, verse 4. Here's Jeremiah, and he's looking at God, and he says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying. Now stop there for a second. I've had many conversations with people. I've had many conversations with students, adults, prime timers. How many times do we hear, well, I just don't know if this is really God because nothing really happened. I didn't necessarily feel it. I don't feel the way I used to, so I don't know if I'm still a Christian. 
I don't feel the same way I did that day I got baptized and everybody was hugging me. I'm not quite sure if the baptism took. We say that a lot. Jeremiah never said in this verse, I had a great big huge emotional encounter with God. I had this huge time that I knew this happened. He said, the word of the Lord came to me. In other words, God was very near to me at this time. Can't explain it, but I can feel it. Verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. In other words, before you were even thought of, I knew what I wanted you to do. Before your parents were even born, I knew what I wanted you to do. Huh. You mean, God, you really do have a plan for me? You really do have what you want me to do? You really do think about everything that's going on in my life? You really do want me to trust you? I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You mean your idea really is bigger than mine? Your idea really is going to take me places I've never dreamed of? Well, that's kind of hard for me to believe because I was talking to this person the other day and they said that they thought my strength should be. But God, who, who, who do I listen to? I believe it's in Isaiah chapter 2 where it says, stop trusting in man who has but a breath in his nostrils. Yeah, but God, that's hard. I understand that. See, Isaiah basically said, you guys are trusting in all these people and you're getting advice from all these people. What about getting advice from the person who put the breath in their nostrils in the first place? What about getting advice from the person who created them? What about opening the doors and seeing what God really wants? But that's scary. Yeah, I understand that. Verse 6. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. Enter excuse number one. Jeremiah argued with him. Can you imagine? I know you can't. I think I'm the only one here who has. But can you imagine arguing with the person who created you? Almost like to say, you really don't know what you're talking about. We as parents sit around all the time and say, I can't believe my child's arguing with me like I don't know what they're doing. And then we go, no, God, you're wrong. He's wrong? Well, I'm uncomfortable. I can't even speak. God, what do you want me to do? Seniors, God, what do you want me to do? I can't even speak. I can't do that. You want me to go be a prophet? I can't even speak. I can't do what you are asking me to do. But the verse 7, But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Yeah, God, no problem. You just made that sound great. I will go wherever you want me to do. You are the creator of the universe. You are the creator of my own being. You are the creator of everything I've ever seen. You are amazing and I will worship you. But you got to understand one thing. 
you forgot some things when you created me because your plan doesn't match up with how you created me to be. Sound familiar? I mean, really, God, I think you forgot a page because if you created me to be a prophet and you created me to speak, then wouldn't you give me the desire and the want to do that? Because then it wouldn't take me having any faith if I believed in myself. Wouldn't that be better? God says, no, I want you to stop trusting in man who has nothing but a breath in his nostrils, and that includes yourself, and I want you to start trusting in me and doing what I'm asking you to do. Because my plan's bigger than yours. My idea is bigger than yours. My idea is going to open up doors for you that you've never even thought about seeing. Verse 8. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Verse 9. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. Any question on how near God was to him when he started talking to him? How many times does God want to reach out and touch our mouth? But at the beginning of the conversation, when we realize God's near, we say, that can't be God. It can't be him. Because that would be weird. And I know that that's uncomfortable, and I know that what he's telling me to do is wrong. That can't be him. I know what my plans are. I know what my future holds. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm going to do. I know what's happening after I get married. I know this. I know, I know, I know. And we just push him back at the edge and say, never mind. We don't really see him. We don't understand how near he really is. A couple weeks ago in Guy's discipleship group on Monday mornings over in the edge, we were talking about miracles. And do miracles really happen today? the way they did back in the Bible. I believe, yes, they do. And the more we talked, they agreed with me. But I believe they happen in different ways a lot of the time. Some of them happen the same way, but I believe miracles happen every day. For instance, and here was a hypothetical situation. If there was a car accident right outside the church here, and the next car up happened to be a doctor who got out and saved the person's life who was in the car accident, what would we say? Man, I'm glad that coincidence of the doctor was there. And we chalk it up to the guy being a good doctor instead of God putting this doctor who he gave the talent to there to save the life of the person in the accident. Miracle. We should never be surprised at God's work. We should always be amazed at God's work. We should never be surprised when God calls us to go do something. We should never be surprised when God says, this is what I have for you to do. We can be amazed. Jeremiah was pretty amazed. God reached out and he touched the mouth of Jeremiah. He reached out and gave him the words to say. Mark Hall, the lead singer of Casting Crowns, Christian band, most of you know who they are. But what you may not know is Mark Hall is a youth pastor. He still is. He was when the band was created. 
But Mark Hall, Mark Hall has an issue. His issue is still when he was a youth pastor and God said, I want you to start writing music for your youth group worship team. Mark said the first thing that came to his mind, God, I can't. Remember when you created me, I was born with dyslexia. I read words backwards. I turn letters around. I write them all. How do you expect me to write this music for these students to actually read it? I'm the only one who sees what I'm writing. God said, do it. But God, I I can't. And as Mark Hall told the story, he said he felt like a modern-day Moses. He just kept arguing and kept arguing and kept arguing. And finally, finally, after arguing over and over and over, he said, okay, I'll try. And Casting Crowns came into effect. And Casting Crowns now travels the world. They're still back every week so he can run youth group. But they travel the world singing the songs that Mark Hall is writing. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't see how it works. He doesn't know. But God reached out and touched his mouth. And he reached out and touched his hands. Because Mark Hall was open to it. He was open to what God was doing. He was open to the bigger plan that God had. And now, millions of people are being ministered to and learning who Jesus is because he was willing. He was willing to take what he saw he couldn't do and make it what God wanted him to do. But as we read on in verse 10, See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. God had that ultimate plan for Jeremiah done. He knew where he wanted to go. He knew what he wanted him to do. The problem is, Jeremiah still had to make the choice in his freedom of choice to do it. And herein lies the major problem. We have freedom. I've said many times in my life, wouldn't it be great if God didn't give us choice? We could just all live for him and be in a happy place. But when we have choice, that gives us the opportunity to choose to not follow him and gives us the opportunity to walk away from him and gives us the opportunity to say things like, well, I don't need to do this. I'll be okay. And pretty soon we wind up making the same choices over and over and over and we look back and go, how come I'm winding up at the same spot every single time? How come this person has this and this person's happy and this person's got, 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 and I'm going, hmm. I've been asked, Aaron, how how do you have a good marriage? How do you have... Good kids. How are you so happy? The response? Doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, but how do you know if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing? Have you asked? Who? God? Oh. Because sometimes we get so wrapped up in how we look at things and so wrapped up in what 
we want to do that we don't take the step back and say, what am I supposed to do? Jeremiah didn't like it. Jeremiah hit some heavy times in his life. Hit some heavy times when he was a prophet. He may have faltered. He may have had issues with family and friends and and everybody around him. But he never gave up hope. And he never stopped doing what God told him to do. He never stepped back and said, you know what? This is scary. I need to stop this. He looked at it and said, this is tough. But I don't want the alternative, which is trying to figure out why I'm not happy. I want to be happy doing what God is telling me to do. Because he's got a whole big basket of blessings out there for you. The question is, you want them. You want them bad enough to go get them. You want them bad enough to take that step and say, I'm in. You want them bad enough to say, I know you created me to be something in particular, and I want to be that. And I know I don't feel like I got it, but I know you have it. Because you have that big word called the plan. My plans never seem to come into into focus and never come to seem to work out in the end. But yours always do, and that's kind of weird. How can I get it? Chuck Swindoll writes about a time when he was talking to an astronaut. And as he was talking to the astronaut, the astronaut was General Charles M. Duke. He was on the Apollo. He stepped up when he walked on the moon. He was asking him, after they listened to him for a while talk about the trip, at the end he said, any questions? And Chuck Swindoll actually asked. He said, you know, I'm curious. How much freedom did you have up there? How much freedom did you have when you were on the moon to say, I just want to be here a little bit longer. I know my time's up, but I'm going to stay just a little bit longer and then we'll go back. How much freedom did you have to to wander away? And Charles M. Duke looked at him and he said, you know, I had all the choices I, I could have made anyone. But he said, the fact of the matter is, everything was calculated down to a T. And when we landed, we had one minute of fuel left in the ship. So I could have chose, but the plan that was set would have been thrown off and then I would have suffered the consequences. Sound like something else? The plan's set. Are you willing to choose to follow it, to seek, to find it? Or... You're going to choose to go your own direction. Suffer the consequences. Because they'll be there. Choice is yours. How are you going to go? Seniors, come on down front for me. As these guys go into the next part of their life, I think there's only one way. Go ahead and kneel down, guys. There's only one way 
that we as a church should be sending them, in my opinion. And that's with prayer. So I'm going to ask the families to come down and surround them. You guys can spread out if you want a little bit. Families of the students, come on down. And then after they're down, as a church, come on down. We're going to surround these guys. And we're not only going to let them know that we love them. We're going to let them know that as they go, they're prayed for all the time. If you'd like to come down and surround the families, come on down. Father, it's been a great day. Father, we have watched these guys grow up. We've watched them make decisions. Father, we knew this day was coming. Just a couple months. They'll be going to college. They'll be on their own. Yeah, we'll be a phone call away. But at the same token, Father, it's not the same. We ask that you will protect them and guide them. And frankly, Father, I ask that you become near to them every day. And that they won't be able to explain it, but they won't be able to deny that you're there guiding them, showing them who you are and what you want. And Father, I pray that you will help them to not only see it, but Father, if it has to, just like I pray for each one of us, that they won't be able to get rid of the knot in their gut until they follow you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your passion, your grace. Father, I pray that you will let them know and remind them that they are prayed for every day. We thank you for you and for what you bring to us. In that name we pray, amen.